We're now on to Jonah part 6. We're looking at Jonah chapter 2 and verse 10. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Again, notice beginning of verse 10. And the Lord spake unto the fish. Again, something we've mentioned all throughout this study. The Lord spake unto the fish. God is in control. God is in control of situations we're in. God is moving here and there. We don't see him behind the scenes, but God is moving. God is working out situations. God is working out events in our life. God is in control. Now also notice, unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Now all of chapter 2 up to verse 10 was a prayer of Jonah asking God to help him get out of the situation he was in. He was repenting to God. He was praising God, telling God of his terrible situation he was in. Now, if we, we notice back in chapter 1, verse 17, it says, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And then chapter 2, verse 1, Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. So it took Jonah three days of being inside the fish's belly before he prayed. But when he prayed, he really prayed to God. He is repentant. He praised God. He poured out his heart to God. And God answers his prayer. So that's something else we can get out of verse 10 in chapter 2. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and then vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. So God answered Jonah's prayer, and you can be sure God will answer your prayers too. Matthew Henry made this comment on Jonah chapter 2 verse 10. He said, Jonah's deliverance may be considered as an instance of God's power over all creatures, as an instance of God's mercy to a poor penitent who in distress prays to him, and as a type and figure of Christ's resurrection, amidst all our varying experiences and the changing scenes of life, we should look by faith fixedly upon our once suffering and dying, but now risen and ascended Redeemer. Let us confess our sins, consider Christ's resurrection as an earnest of our own, and thankfully receive every temporal and spiritual deliverance as the pledge of our eternal redemption. Now let's dig a little deeper in chapter 2, verse 10 where it says, then, this is after Jonah prayed and acted out his faith through the whale's belly. This is when the action of verse 10 happened. It says, then the Lord spake. This is after Jonah had prayed from the, the great fish's belly. And then the next part of verse 10 says, the Lord, the Lord who made heaven and earth and commanded both, who is the God of Jonah's salvation and who is the God of our salvation through the type of Jonah, which is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And then spake, the Lord commanded and signified it to be so. He commanded the fish, the fish that he had prepared to swallow up Jonah and to keep Jonah for three days. He now commands that same fish to spit Jonah out onto dry land. And then unto the fish. Though fishes are destitute of reason and do not understand as a man, yet they have ears to hear their creator and will readily obey their creator. And it says, it vomited out Jonah. It obeys. It obeys the word of God. And it no longer keeps Jonah prisoner, and it vomits out Jonah onto dry land. If only we were so readily willing to obey God instantly like that when God gives us a direction to go. If Jonah had only been as ready to obey God as his great fish was, he would not have found himself in the stomach of the great fish. When God speaks, we need to obey. We need to obey right away, willingly obey as quickly as possible. Follow the example of this great fish. And how this great fish, even though it doesn't have a mind like a human, when its creator speaks, it obeys. We need to take that to heart. When our creator speaks, we need to obey. And then we see on the dry land. 
The command required this. It was given by God. Jonah had been cast into the whale's belly, prisoner there for three days. And now after his prayer, then the Lord commanded the the whale or the great fish to spit Jonah out on the dry land. And then after his prayer of faith, Jonah was delivered. The scripture does not say where he was, but we could assume he was on the shore close to Nineveh because he was going to go there and preach repentance to them. Now let's move on to chapter 3 and verse 1. If you remember in our original outline, we outlined of Jonah. Chapter 1 was Jonah fleeing. Chapter 2 was Jonah praying. And now we move on to chapter 3, and that is Jonah preaching. In chapter 3 and verse 1 says, And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Boy, we sure can be thankful for the God of the second chance. How many of us has ever needed a second chance? Jonah got a second chance. We serve the God of the second chance. We can think of several people throughout the Bible that needed that second chance. David needed the second chance. Peter needed the second chance. Paul needed the second chance. Moses needed a second chance. Many of the great heroes of the faith needed that second chance. And here Jonah received that second chance. And how many of us need that second chance or that third chance or that fourth chance? Verse 2 in chapter 3, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went into Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. Now verse 4, And Jonah began to enter that city a day's journey, and he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Verse 5, So the people of Nineveh believed God, and proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them, even to the least of them. So what Jonah had originally feared was coming to pass here. He originally did not want to go to Nineveh because he did not want to see them saved. He did not want to see them get saved. But he knew that if he went there and preached that judgment, that they would probably repent because he knew God is a God of mercy. God is a God of forgiveness. God is a God of wanting to restore relationships. God is a God of wanting to give salvation to all people. And even though it was a pronouncement of judgment, Jonah feared at the beginning of the book of Jonah that if he went there, they would probably repent. God would probably show them mercy, and they would probably receive salvation. And Jonah had such animosity and possibly hatred towards them that he did not want that to happen. So we see that playing out. Exactly what Jonah feared would happen was now playing out. But now Jonah was obeying God. Jonah was surrendered to God's will. And Jonah was proclaiming the gospel, proclaiming the word of God, proclaiming the judgment, proclaiming the the 40 days until the judgment, give them a chance to repent. He was proclaiming the truth of God to them. Verse 5, So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even unto the least of them. Verse 5 again, The people of Nineveh, the inhabitants who heard, they first believed, who first heard, and successfully others, as soon as they'd heard it, were believing as well, believed God. Speaking by his prophet, they knew their own sins. They knew what they deserved, what they might be expected, that God had threatened from heaven, all which concurring wrought them to believe their danger, which caused them to repent. And at the end of the verse, it says, put on sackcloth, a ceremony very usual in mornings, private or public. In those countries, and a token of their true mourning, this all did great and small, rich and poor. Now let's look at verse 6. For the word came unto the king of Nineveh, And he arose from his throne and laid his robe from him and covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. The word came to the king in verse 6, arose from his throne, came down from his royal seat, laid his robe from him, put off his rich royal garments and luxurious apparel, covered him with sackcloth, put on a rough and uneasy garments of a mourner, 
And then it says, and sat in ashes. Now let's look at verse 7. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water. And the king caused it to be proclaimed. He took particular care to have, have it speedily ordered that the whole city would be notified of these public orders. All officers would proclaim this, proclaim this decree, these edicts of the king and published. This confirms the thing and adds somewhat for showing the deep sense the king had both of his oral and his people's sins. Danger was coming, and they needed to repent. That repentance needed to be shown to the Almighty God. And it says, by decree of the king and his nobles, it was an act of the king and the council. It was passed swiftly and put into action immediately. Men have sinned and provoked God to this high displeasure. It does most principally concern them to repent. Repent fast. Genuinely mourn for their sins, that God may pardon them and spare them. And then at the end it says, nor beast, herd and flock. And then it says, taste anything. This is referred by some to the strictness with which men were bound to keep this fast. They could not even taste anything. It explains what follows. Man and beast were forbidden to eat or drink. That fast was a solemn, that fast was a complete fast, a solemn fast. It was a cry of repentance, a cry of of asking forgiveness, a cry, a demonstration of wanting to be spared by the Almighty God, this judgment that had been pronounced upon them. So we see so far in chapter 3 of Jonah, Jonah comes, Jonah obeys God, Jonah submits to God. We had Jonah spit out of the dry land. We had Jonah's prayer answered. We have Jonah's enthusiastically submitting to God, obeying God, following God's will. We see him preaching to Nineveh. We see Nineveh immediately repenting, immediately putting on sackcloth, immediately praying, immediately seeking God's forgiveness, immediately seeking God's hand to move away from that pronouncement of judgment. They're repenting. The king, pronoun the king pronounces the entire city of Nineveh to put on sackcloth. The entire city of Nineveh, animals included, to fast, to seek God's forgiveness, and to pray that God would repent of this judgment that had been pronounced upon them. Now let's look at verse 9. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger, that we perish not. Who can tell if God will turn and repent? There is that chance God will turn. There is that chance God may turn toward us, change his purpose, save us alive, they were thinking. While there is life, there is hope. God has no pleasure in the death of sinners. God is gracious. God is compassionate. God himself has prescribed repentance. If we repent and turn to him from our sins, who knows then whether God will turn or not. That was their prayer. That was their concern. That was their desire, was to have God repent of this judgment upon them. They thought their desire was to have God save them. Their desire was to have God spare them from this judgment. They were truly repenting. They were fasting. They were putting on sackcloth. They were demonstrating their true repentance and sorrow for their sin. And then we come to verse 10. And God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. God saw their works. They repented. They brought forth fruits, meat for repentance. They demonstrated true and heartfelt repentance and a turning from that sin. They demonstrated it by works that showed this, that they earnestly were repenting of their sin. God therefore changed his purpose, and the city was saved. The purpose was, if the Ninevites do not return from their evil ways, and the violence that is in their hands, within 40 days God said, I will destroy the city. But the Ninevites did return. They did repent of their evil ways, and therefore they escaped the threatened judgment. Thus we see the threatening was conditional. So we started this 
part 6, with verse 10 of chapter 2. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. We see that God is in control of circumstances. God is in control of situations we are in. We also saw how God answered Jonah's prayer. And then we see how Jonah submitted to the will of God. He went and preached repentance, preached the judgment, which led to repentance of the city of Nineveh. The city of Nineveh heard God's word. The city of Nineveh repented at God's word. We see that God's word works. God's word works towards repentance. God's word is full of power. God's word is full of power to save. God's word is full of power to lead to repentance. We just need to get God's word out. We need to share it. We need to tell others about it. We need to witness to others about it. We need to pass out tracts. We need to invite people to church so they can hear God's word. But God's word has the power, power to save, the power that leads to repentance, the power that leads to salvation is in God's word. The Bible says God's word will not return void. And God's word did not return void here when Jonah went about the city preaching it and telling of this coming judgment. And then we see the people of Nineveh repented, including the king. The king declared a fast. The king declared everyone to put on sackcloth. Even the animals were declared to put on sackcloth and fast. We see an act and a demonstration of this repentance. They were earnestly repenting of their sins and seeking God's mercy and seeking God's forgiveness. Remember what we learned earlier. God is a God of mercy. God is a God of love. He wants to give that mercy. He pronounced this judgment. He learned that it was a conditional judgment. They were going to get this destruction if they did not return from their violence, did not turn from their evil, evil, sinful ways. And they did turn from that evil, sinful way. They did turn from that violence. And God did spare them, and God did give them mercy. Just like Jesus Christ on the cross when he died for our sins, that was God demonstrating his mercy towards us. That was God demonstrating that this judgment does not have to fall upon us. We could accept Christ's payment in full for that judgment and receive that salvation, receive that saving from that eternal death, and receive that grace by the mercy of God and live in eternity in heaven with Christ. Because God, through Jesus Christ, paid the price for that penalty of sin. He paid it in full on the cross. That is God demonstrating his mercy towards us. There is a penalty for sin, just like for Nineveh. There would be a penalty for their sin if they did not repent and accept God's mercy and beg for God's repentance, accept God's mercy. Jesus Christ died on the cross. He paid the penalty for our sin for us. We just need to accept that free gift of salvation, accept that mercy from him as well. Mm -hmm. 